I think we got to go back to the end of our last episode. If I am China and I'm looking for companies that could give me like a leg up in some future psyops type situation, I'm going to be trying to build the next Instagram, not the next Cisco, you know? Yeah, well, we're just talking about TikTok. So. Yeah, we're just talking about TikTok. You see, this episode was going to have nothing to do with current events and specifically nothing to do with China. But in the last five minutes of our last episode, like Bloody Mary in front of the mirror, we evoked TikTok. And then like four days after that episode went live, this happened. President Trump has threatened to ban the Chinese-owned video streaming app TikTok if it's not bought by September 15th. So now we got to pack our bags, throw on our headlamps, and go on a journey deep into the data mines. Let's imagine for a second that we live in China and we make socks. We're sock makers. We got a sock factory and we want to sell our socks to Western feet. So we've come here, deep into the mildewy depths of the data mines to try and get some good data about our Western consumers so we can sell them more socks. First steps first, we got to go where our audience is, which are the ecosystems operated by Facebook and Google. Now, Facebook and Google, they'll take your money to run sock ads all day. But what they won't do is sell you user data because privacy, which is where companies called data brokers come in. Because while Facebook and Google will not sell you user data because privacy, they will effectively sell it to multi-million dollar data brokerages because money. So sock maker, you got to find yourself a data broker. Trouble is, you've got to find a data broker in China that works with Western companies with data on Western users. Which brings us to a company you've probably never heard of called AdTiger. Generally speaking, data brokerages keep the supply chain of how they get user data a secret. But you see, AdTiger recently published this giant pile of information for investors interested in getting in on their multi-million dollar IPO, providing our humble sock startup with a lot of insight into the flow of Western user data in China. Based on these documents, we have learned that AdTiger can get information on Facebook and Instagram users by buying it from another middleman company called Meet Social. They can get information on Twitter users by buying it from a company called OneSite, information on Google and YouTube users from a company called Vidoed. Without ever contacting a Western tech firm, they can get millions of dollars worth of data on Western users by purchasing it through a series of intermediaries, each collecting and reselling this data in an increasingly complex supply chain. So if you, Chinese sock company, want to know the exact moment that Ricky in Minneapolis expressed an interest in getting some ankle socks for a sporty new summer look, you can buy it today and start advertising to him tomorrow. Which brings us back to TikTok. And really the fear at the heart of this proposed ban. Central to any argument that we should ban Chinese tech is this law called the Cybersecurity Multi-Level Protection Scheme. Now, this law basically says that Chinese-based companies have an open-door policy with the Chinese government when it comes to data. 
that the government has the right to access all information on or flowing through Chinese servers. There are no warrants for user data, no subpoenas. What's mine is yours. So if heaps of users in the West are using TikTok, and TikTok and its servers are based in China, that means that the Chinese state has access to all of that data, resulting in a very real security threat. As the logic of the ban goes, Western user data on Chinese servers is a security threat. But what about socks? Because if it's a threat when TikTok does it, why sock factory owner isn't it a threat when it's Facebook data bought from Meet Social held on ad tiger servers in China? Or Google data bought from Vidod stored on servers in China? Or Twitter data bought from one site stored on servers in China? Why TikTok? Why ban specifically TikTok? We're going to try and answer that question on this episode of Hacked. I think that particular social networking app has had a lot of conversations happening around it for the last little while here in the right communities. Like, uh, I believe Amazon had drafted a letter um, that got leaked out that was going to direct all their staff to not install it. Mm -hmm. So to have TikTok removed from your devices and other things. You know, there's been a lot of discussion about TikTok and what it's up to Mm -hmm. in certain circles. You're definitely now seeing... A lot happening, especially now with the Department of Justice and the White House going after ByteDance, um, kind of trying to force the sale of it so that the company is owned and controlled by Americans, which is, I think, madness in today's kind of free market world. But yeah, I think there's some interesting... I think that the the actions of the people around it are very indicative of something very interesting that we don't know. Does that make sense? I think so. But you could explain further. Well, you remember in the Huawei episode where, you know, there was lots of lots of significant moves happening at specific sure. levels of government and nothing was really being told to the masses. That's generally probably pretty indicative of something large going on behind the scenes. I feel like we're seeing that now with TikTok. Okay. You've got lots of huge public um, denouncements of it. You've got the president of the United States trying to force its sale. You've got talk about right banning it in North America, or at least in the United States. And I think that that's just very indicative to probably a larger problem that, you know, as normal people, we're not, you know, privy to. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about the technical side of, of TikTok and kind of like the sort of types of data that TikTok could theoretically be harvesting, I feel like it's not really being honest and talking about whether or not you should ban TikTok without talking about the popularity of TikTok. Like there's a reason that app is, is in all the headlines. There's a reason that's the app that people who want to go after China on the grounds of technology companies are going after. It's because it's the one everybody knows. It's like becoming this giant cultural phenomenon. Do you think any of this would be happening if TikTok was not kind of the cultural force that it is? Oh, I think we should open this discussion by giving credit to where credit is due. And, you know, Vine (laughs) really 
set the stage for what TikTok became. And, and I think Vine compilations are still some of the funniest social media content ever made. We did Vine so dirty as a society. Yeah. And, and now it's been essentially reborn with the learnings of Instagram and now is the most prevalent among you know, certain demographics. Yeah. If nothing else, TikTok proved the premise of Vine. Yeah. R.I.P. Vine. Rest in peace, Vine. Fucking Vine. Fucking Vine. <laughs> <laughs> um, about a week ago, um, a story came out about TikTok harvesting a certain type of user data that I guess we accept the premise that most apps harvest user data, but there's this sense of like, whatever all of them are doing is okay. And if one does something that the rest aren't doing, it's not okay. And TikTok harvested a type of data that they're not really supposed to in 2020. Yeah, Apple banned um, Mac address farming in 2013. Google apparently did it two years later in 2015. But there's an issue on the Android platform that allows you to kind of bypass those security checks and, and access it. So the other thing I will note is that I don't think TikTok is the only app maker that is using this workaround or loophole to access this data. So it's just that they're the most, you know, discussed Sure. Chinese social media app that's accessing this data. That's currently in the middle of a trade war purchase agreement involving the president and Microsoft. Correct, yeah. It's the only one that's all three of those things. Yeah, yeah. So I guess first and foremost, if they've been tracking a MAC address, what is a MAC address? Sure, so a MAC address is a physical ID. So each device um, comes preset with a MAC address, which is a random uh, address. Same as your IP address, but your IP address is granted to you by you know routers and switches and other things when you access the internet. The IP address is literally just a public um, moniker for your MAC address. So in the in the lower levels of the software and the address resolution protocols and stuff, all a, an IP address is is a pointer to a device's MAC address. So. So really, your MAC address is your device's private ID, and then your IP address becomes your public ID. So you can't really change a MAC address. like You, you just have the one. Yeah, it, you can change it on computers. Like an easy way to bypass um, paywall Wi-Fi access is to quickly hack your MAC address to somebody's that has paid the paywall. Right. So like if you're flying on an airplane and somebody's paid for the $40. Right. Uh, Wi-Fi access, you can just steal their MAC address and become them and the paywall ignores you. Pro tip. Pro tip. That's pretty good. Yeah. But you need one rube to pay $25 yeah. for like 15 minutes worth yeah. of the slowest internet in the universe. Because the other thing is the MAC addresses aren't hidden. So if I'm sitting in an airplane with my laptop open, scanning the Wi-Fi traffic, I'm seeing the MAC addresses of all of the devices around me. This is kind of an aside to what we're talking about, but like you're saying that if a person wanted to connect to airplane Wi-Fi, all they would have to do is spoof the MAC address of someone who's already connected and they would get through pretty much no problem. Correct. Dope. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Most paywalls, once you pay, they put your MAC address in a whitelist. And so then if you take over that MAC address or have the exact same MAC address, it has a hard time differentiating the traffic and adds you to the whitelist. If that works on airplanes, does that work on anything else? Well, it's mostly for network access because that's where your MAC address is most applicable because your device's physical ID is that MAC address. 
So like when you connect your laptop to like a DHCP network, like a standard router network that most of us have in our houses with our, you know, cable internet or whatever, it makes a request to the network. We've covered this in a previous hacked episode where it says like, hey, I'm here, give me an address. And it takes your Mac address, throws it into a table and assigns you an IP address. And then anything inbound to that IP address gets converted to your Mac address and sent to it. So it's a critical part of you know network traffic and so a lot of network-based paywalls uh, for wi-fi access internet access generally use mac address even inside of quote-unquote secured public wi-fi so there can be whitelists on guest networks and stuff uh, the whitelist traffic is based off of mac addresses so if you know something that's on the whitelist and you can access its uh, mac address which is generally pretty accessible you can then just spoof your MAC address and kind of slide through any kind of security. So in the middle of this episode about TikTok, you have just given the people the secret to free Wi-Fi. Well, I don't think it works on all paywalls, especially like, you know, your Wall Street Journal ones and stuff are probably related to accounts and or um, cookies, which would also be spoofable if you really wanted to get into it. But I think for most network access, this is, and, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a master key, but uh, it's definitely another tool for the toolbox. So it's 2013, and Apple has just pushed out iOS 7. It's the one where all the icons got flat. Um, but something interesting happens behind the scenes when that beta goes live. Mobile app marketing company Fisku reported in 2013 that as the first beta went up, the millions of participating devices all started returning this exact same MAC address, 0200000 and so on. So if, as Scott said, the MAC address is kind of like your name tag for your device, that update goes up and suddenly everyone is going kind of by the same name. So fast forward to 2020 and TikTok is in trouble for tracking Mac addresses, even though Google and Apple prohibit it. The sort of obvious question comes up, why did they ban tracking Mac addresses to begin with? We're going to get to that right after this break. Without even getting into like their connection to the Chinese government and the kind of trade war that they're in the middle of, TikTok is in trouble for tracking MAC addresses. Why can't you track MAC addresses? It's a good question. The reason why they would ban it with MAC addresses is because they are the true device ID. So we have all this obfuscation, and we talked about this a lot in previous episodes, where you know there's an advertiser ID, which is essentially a fake ID that kind of points to our MAC address. Well, not really, but like essentially it's a way for them to track our ad traffic but not know who we are. Then there's all these other layers of it. Like we talked about this in the COVID tracking stuff where how can they obfuscate who we really are? You know, you got all this like soft Bluetooth pairing stuff and like all these different ways to tr do it rather than actually track our devices. Mac address is literally the exact physical ID of our device. So once they know that, if they have all the rest of the IDs, the obfuscation is gone. So if they know our advertiser ID, our IP address, 
our et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they can tie those all back to the MAC address. So next time that MAC address requests or accesses one of their servers, because as they control the servers, inbound traffic from devices comes from a MAC address, they can say, oh, that's actually Jordan Blumen requesting that Reddit thread or that whatever, that TikTok dance video. So once you have, it's essentially a way to break the obfuscation. So to, to, to reveal, you know, to remove the veils, because that's the real core address of the device. So anything that's done or any connections, any inbound traffic, outbound traffic to that device can then be associated with all the rest of your obfuscations. So when Apple made that switch and they said, okay, third-party apps, you can't track MAC addresses anymore. You have to track, you can use this other thing called an IDFA, which is, I, I think, an ID identifier for advertisers, advertiser identifier. The fact that that is the alternative to this suggests to me that the reason they were banning this track and the reason that people wanted to track MAC addresses to begin with didn't really have anything to do with like surveillance, less than it had to do with marketing and advertising, less than it had to do with money. Well, the location, so all of these things tie together, all of our, like, you know, last episodes, because they're all kind of about the similar theme of, of, of tying back and connecting and, and breaking through the veil of privacy. And that's a big thing, like location-based advertising now is associated with your advertiser ID, was originally probably associated with your IP and or MAC address. So then all of a sudden, if you're a social media company that also knows the MAC address of the device, and if, say, you also get data from three or four other third-party apps that also have the MAC address, you can start to really build up a demographic and psychographic profile of who that device is owned by. And, you know, that's better advertising, but it's also better, you know, surveillance. Why would TikTok do this? Because my sense is that in like the evolution of this, we, we had MAC addresses and then a lot of the platforms said, whether for genuine reasons or for optics, some combination of the two, we're going to make it so you can't track this anymore. And advertisers devise their own tools to be able to say, okay, now you're going to have an ID that we associate with you. That's how we're going to do this. TikTok is of the skill where they could institute any kind of system themselves. Like they, TikTok can track TikTok users however they damn well please within the rules created by the app store. And that is significant. That's like a big playground they're operating in. They can get a lot of information out of it, their users. Why would they try and circumvent Google's security systems in order to track this? Why is it so, why do you think it would be so valuable to them? I, it, this would have to be a think. This would all be hypothetical. But I think it's just knowing the exact device ID when you're a company as big as TikTok that does the integrations and collaborations and you know whatever you want to say about the national state of China and, and what they might have for third-party reasonings for it, the more data, the better. You know, it's you're better armed and better equipped for whatever their outcome is. If it's advertising, if it's surveillance, if it's you know, et cetera, et cetera, the more data, the better. And if you know the exact device ID. And you can track that device ID every time it connects to any other related service third party that you collaborate with, that you integrate with, data sharing. Like I'm sure I'm sure in the worlds behind closed doors there's big data sharing agreements between certain app makers and certain manufacturers. And you know, having that as the base key to connect all of the other data values is great. Cause then we really know 
that we're talking about Jordan Blumen's iPhone, you know, XR in this specific location. So TikTok right now. I think the best reason most people would argue in favor of banning TikTok is because TikTok's parent company operates out of China. And we know that China has laws that entitle that government to access information stored on servers in China. Therefore, the Chinese government theoretically has access to the data of foreign users. Yeah, theoretically. Theoretically. The solution then, within the idea of this ban, is that, okay, force them to sell it to an American company. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess I'm curious how that would solve the problem. Because my understanding is that, so Microsoft, we're talking about Microsoft buying TikTok. Microsoft has a huge footprint in Shanghai, where they operate attempting to sell Bing-based user data to Chinese advertisers. Facebook does this. Google does this. Microsoft, who's talking about buying TikTok, does this. They all do it, and they do it legally. They're selling this information to Chinese companies and then sell it to advertisers. So if our root fear is that Western user data is being sold to Chinese uh, advertisers, making it visible to the Chinese <coughs> state, isn't this just purely an optical win? Isn't this we're going to find the biggest dude in the yard and we're going to go sock him in the face? I see your point. I think I think it's a couple things. I think it's A, it's the devil you know, not the devil you don't. You know, it's an obvious one. You know, we as North Americans understand the tech culture that we have. And I think we're more comfortable with it. Sure. And I think that we don't fully understand the motivations and reasoning behind foreign tech and that you know it could be completely benevolent but we don't know and i think that that that's just enough of a thing to make people's stomach you know tingle a bit i think that's one of the things and then i think the second big important piece of that is is that the you know quote unquote american tech north american tech the tech that we're comfortable with answers to the governments that we're comfortable with so I think that if the American government didn't want Microsoft selling Bing user data, not that it really matters, or Facebook selling Facebook data, which does really matter, to the Chinese government, they could say, no, you can't do that. You're under our policing, under our controls, under our trade policy, and you're violating our national security. Stop that. Where I think when it's fully third-party controlled and owned, that makes the government's tummy tingle. And I think that's really the the two points of that. Not to mention the third point that it's, you know, politically advantageous for certain politicians to go after certain countries. Sure, it's a tr- trade war. Yeah, sure. Everybody likes a wartime president, right? Right. So we just talked about the TikTok ban as like a kind of a choice motivated by, you know, some sort of mix of politics and optics and trade. And we've talked about how maybe doesn't really get to the heart of securing domestic data from foreign actors. And I guess to give sort of the other side of this discussion today, uh, earlier you answered my question about like why TikTok would 
even take this risk. And it's that MAC addresses are like, they're useful. And we've talked about how they're useful to ad-driven businesses like TikTok. How is it useful to a government? If we accept the premise that like, we should be skeptical of TikTok because their parent company has potential ties to a foreign government that engages in surveillance, why does that foreign government even want this data? Why do they want MAC addresses? Why do they want data generated by a music-based video app? Yeah, and I think just furthermore to, you know, what you were mentioning about, you know, certain national governments having certain controls and demands on on information from their technology companies, something like the MAC address uh, would be a very key part of telecommunications traffic. You know, our smartphones and devices are connected to potentially national telco infrastructures made by other Chinese companies. Uh, that MAC address would be shared across. So they would be able to then correlate the data from TikTok and anybody else that they bought it from or any traffic to their inbound servers or through their proxies. And every part of that would tie back to the MAC address. And they would be able to then, you know, kind of congregate it and mine it. I think I have a hard time with this one. A hard time not flip-flopping on it because I'm I'm so used to thinking of these tech companies as being kind of sovereign states. Like intellectually, I know that the government is just a warrant away from being able to get information from these big tech companies. But I do think of them as autonomous and if anything, having like kind of an adversarial relationship with the government, regardless of how true that is. And this just totally breaks that um, understanding. Well, when you've got Mark Zuckerberg asking the American government to tell him what to do because he shouldn't be making moral decisions on behalf of the country and they're saying well you should be doing a better job of it and he's like well i'm not our moral compass so help me yeah i can see how it's pretty easy to convince or to 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 mistake the two yeah it's easy to mistake western tech um as foreign states and chinese tech is almost like appendages of this one big single organism and I'm, I'm super skeptical of that binary, but it's certainly how it feels. Yeah, well, if you think about technology, the umbrella of all technology companies is a Excel spreadsheet. And then each social network or technology company has a sheet in it. And you put all of the information that they all hold on those sheets, and then you have the ability to cross-reference them all. You'd probably be able to tell quite a bit about a lot of people. Would you use TikTok? I don't use TikTok. I've seen TikTok. I get sent TikToks. I don't like TikTok. I think that TikTok is bad for people's well-being and they should go outside instead of staring at their phone for four and a half hours. So I I, I, I don't think I'm going to be a very compelling target. I don't think, you know, I'd like to think of myself as somebody who's real important and influential. I'm not. <laughs> Um, so I don't think I'd have any like major life concerns if I was a, you know, an average teenager. I'm not too, too worried about it. I think that they're going to be able to mine just enough data. They've got a statistically large enough data set that I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a, a marker in it. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be too, too concerned at this point. I think it's more along the lines of what's happening at the mass scale. And also I think what we don't know is the more interesting thing because I think in my lifetime, I can't remember a U.S. president demanding the sale of a company. So I'm not sure what else is going on. That's more where I'm, it's more where my ears perk up and I go, oh, that's odd behavior. 
what's behind that. If you are interested in learning more about the truly wild ecosystem of Western data being sold and stored on foreign servers, I highly recommend you check out Shoshana Wodinsky's wonderful piece in Gizmodo on AdTiger. It's a huge source of information for this episode. Um, it's been a hot sec, but huge shout out to our patrons on Patreon. You're our everything. You're our world. Uh, you can follow us at Hacked Podcast on Twitter. And if you like it, rate and review the show. It means a lot to us. Uh, thanks for listening. Sorry for the delay on this episode, and we're going to catch you on the next one.